0: Well, as I said, we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at some of the Psalms. And I want to begin, before we get to reflecting on the Psalm for today, which is Psalm 16, by just going right to the beginning of the book of Psalms and just sharing the first two verses with you. Because it's such a wonderful invitation to draw deeply on God's Word, to actually uh, go into. Uh, a place where we allow God to speak to us from his, from his inspired scriptures, which he promises to do. So I'm just going to read you the first uh, couple of verses, because really this sets the tone for the next few weeks as we go into uh, the Bible songbook, the hymn book, the prayer book of the scriptures. This is just the opening verses from Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. Christians, or the Jews, and God's people have for millennia been into and called to meditate. But I think it's something that we feel perhaps has been sidelined somewhat at least in the western christian uh, traditions it's seen as being something sort of esoteric and um, uh, alien if you like to normal christian practice but actually there it is right at the beginning of the psalms right in uh, the first two verses of the first chapter of the first book of psalms blessed is the one who meditates on the law of the lord but we also see there that meditation from God's perspective, has a distinctive aspect to it. It's not about emptying our minds. It's about filling our minds with the things of God. It always puts me in mind of what Paul was going to write uh, several centuries later to the Christians in a place called Philippi. He wrote these words. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right... Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The wonderful thing about coming to the Psalms is that it does that for us. It allows us to fill our minds with the things of God. And what we'll see is that it's not a whitewashing, it's not a way of filling our minds with things that we can sort of ignore the reality of life. Actually, the Psalms dig into all the emotions, all the experiences, all the feelings that we have as we go through this life. We'll see that a little bit over the few Psalms that we have, but I encourage you very much to make reading the Psalms and speaking the Psalms part of your regular worship and prayer life to the Lord because they help us to express those things that sometimes we find hard to express. They give us permission, if you like, to be absolutely real with God about how we're feeling. So I'm going to do that for just a few minutes this morning in Psalm 16. At the end of the psalm, I'm going to pray. The musicians and the singers are going to return. And today I just invite you to remain seated at the end of the reflection, the talk. They're going to lead us in a song which flows out of this psalm. Uh, feel free to join in particularly in the choruses if you'd like to but just remain seated and just ask that God would continue to minister to you uh, as we worship him in this place for now I'm going to just take us through a reflection of these wonderful words of Psalm 16 keep me safe O God for in you I take refuge I said to the Lord you are my Lord apart from you I have no good thing David opens with a prayer, keep me safe, O God. David was someone who knew what it was to face very real and practical dangers in life. He had great highs as king, as victor, but he also had deep and dark lows, chased, hounded, attacked, a wanted man. And so he begins this psalm as he does so often with a prayer, keep me safe, O God. And a recognition. You are my Lord and apart from you I have no good thing. Now there are plenty of good things that we enjoy in this world. Good food, good drink, good friends. World Cup victories. (laughs) But David reminds us that all the things we enjoy, all good things as it were, come from heaven above. That without God, we'd have none of these things. We'd have none even of the life with which to enjoy them. Verse 3. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. He's thinking of God's people. Those who are in the land and still trusting in God. He delights in those who are still walking in the way of the Lord. But he also sees those who have wandered after other gods. Something has tempted them away from the one true living God to follow after those things which appear at first so tempting, but ultimately can never satisfy. As David writes the words of these psalms, no doubt he's picturing actual idols the stories of these so-called gods of the surrounding nations. We might think, well, that doesn't have anything very much to say to us anymore. We probably never used the word libations. may not even be entirely sure what it means, a form of offering or sacrifice. But actually, the temptation to go after other gods is just as real today as it was in David's time. They may not be little gold statues or carvings of bulls or cows. But the human heart is often inclined to go after those things which appear to offer something tangible. Something that offers immediate relief and promise. Those false gods are so often associated with provision in the short term. With earning the God's respect Or going through certain motions in order to get that God to give you something that you need or want. Like a sort of uh, deity vending machine. Rather than what God has made us for. Which is to have a relationship with the one true living God. And yet our hearts are still the same. And it's not just the sort of the people out there whom it's easy to sort of point the finger and look at the things that the world dangles before us as temptations to run after, whether it's financial security or business success or whatever those pleasures may seem to be. The human heart it still has that tendency and we can, if we're not careful, still have that tendency to run after those things which we think, will give us what we need rather than trusting in the God who made us, who tells us, I know what you need. And what we need is that prayer that David had to find our refuge, our safety, our security in God. The greatest temptations actually come when life is at its easiest. I think that's perhaps why God doesn't always spare us from the challenges and difficulties of this life when life is at its most comfortable, that is when we're most tempted to put our security to find our safety or our refuge in our bank balance or our paid-off mortgage or the security of our job or our health insurance or our clean, last clean bill of health from the doctor. When those things are going smoothly, that's when we're most tempted to find our safety and security in those things. But as we all know when we take a step back and look, as good as those things may be, they are always temporary, they are always brittle, they are always finite. God, however, is infinite, deep, unchanging. David sees the sorrows of those who run after the other gods, but he delights in those who stay fixed on the God who loves them. Verse 5. Lord, you've assigned me my portion and my cup. You've made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken in contrast to those who run after those things of this world. Again, as good as many of them may be, they cannot be God. The good things of this world can never be for us what God alone can be. And instead, David sets before himself the Lord, this God who made him and who loves him. This God who he has come to know, who instructs him, who is at his right hand. Yes, he knows that God doesn't prevent him from walking through the difficulties that comes through in all of his psalms, the challenges of life, living in a world which is both so beautiful and yet also broken. And yet David is determined to fix his eyes on the Lord, to have the Lord always before him, because he knows that when he has his heart and his mind focused on the one who can do all that he needs, then he is secure. No matter what life may throw at him, he says, I will not be shaken. Verse 9. The psalm reaches its crescendo as David, reflecting on what it means to set the Lord before him, realizes what that means for him in terms of his heart and his worship and his praise. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, Nor will you let your holy ones see decay. You've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Because David knows the Lord, his heart is glad and his tongue rejoices. He sings out that praise. His voice is freed to respond to God's. I don't know about you, but I still struggle with holding back from God the things that are really on my heart, sometimes. I still feel a pressure to try and pretend to God that I'm more sorted than I am. I still feel the temptation to try and present myself in a better place, than actually the reality of my heart on that day. I hold myself back, and my voice can be stifled. Please take this psalm as an invitation to be able to cry out to God, to speak out, to sing out as David does, to let him sit your voice free, truly free. Not pretending to do the things that you see other people doing and feel you should join in with, but genuinely liberated and set free to speak to God from the heart and find that freedom that comes with trusting him like that. And David has such confidence in this because he knows that God will not abandon him to the grave. He somehow has this hope in this eternal life. He talks about eternal pleasures at your right hand. Could he have known? Did he have an inkling? that Somewhere along the line, even though he was writing seven or so centuries before Jesus was born, that God had a plan that was going to be put into place in order that, Anyone who comes to Him can experience what it is to have that joy in His presence and that eternal pleasures in His in God's right hand. Well, maybe David was simply wiser than he knew. He trusted God. He knew that God must have a plan, and it made him sing. Well, how about us? We can look back. We can hear with confidence. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God Himself, came into this world to save people like us, to love people like us, to give to people like us a hope that can never perish, spoil, or fade. You've made known to me the path of life, it is the way of Jesus. You will fill me with joy in your presence God is with us and with eternal pleasures at your right hand that pleasure, that joy that happiness that we were made for when we're there with Christ in eternity will somehow never come to an end Everything we experience in this life comes to an end. Those gods and uh, false hopes that we run after or put our security in, they will always one day come to an end. Whatever it is, as good as it might be, it will come to an end. But not the Lord Jesus. Life with him forever and ever and ever in eternal joy and happiness because of what he's done. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite the musicians and the singers to come back up now so that we're going to respond straight afterwards. As I say, you might just like to remain seated, join in with the choruses. I mean, join in with all of you if you'd like to, but do join in with the choruses. Maybe just listen to the words. Ask God to minister to you in your heart. Ask Him to help you to be real, to be honest. To make your heart glad and your tongue rejoice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for David's honesty in writing these psalms. And in some, even more so than in this one, the reality of what it means to walk in faith with you when life can be both wonderfully joyful but also challenging and scary. Lord, would you save us from running after those things which ultimately cannot be for us where only you can be. That we'd enjoy the good things of life, but they would lead us to worship you and not them. To give thanks to you for your provision. Lord, would you make our heart glad and our tongues rejoice. Would you free us to sing and speak out your praise. To be honest and real with you and to help others to do the same. Without judgment, with grace with our eyes fixed on you, that we might know like David what it is to have you at our right side, to have that joy in your presence, to have the hope and the promise of eternal pleasures at your right hand. Amen.